Actually, I'm going to put on the gallery view so I can see all of you. It's always nicer to see you. I mean, even if it's just a picture, it's nice. Even if the picture includes a cat, which somebody has, which is nice to see. Um, and, um, you know, the class will be an 11-week class, and it's really coming out of the retreat that I just taught at Spirit Rock that we had to cut short because of the uh, COVID-19 um, pandemic. And so we cut the retreat short, but we were working with the Satipatthana and the Satipatthana Sutta on the retreat. And I'm just trying to check, was anybody on the retreat? I don't think anybody was, okay. Um, uh, and it, you know, it's a great retreat and in 35 years of both sitting and teaching, I've never seen it happen where we had to stop a retreat in the middle of a retreat, but it happens. Um, and so what I'd like to do is start with the uh, basics of Satipatthana, which is really about mindfulness. And it's all Satipatthana Sutta is in this book. And I have talked about this a bit at the group lately. The Satipatthana Sutta, which is the four foundations or the four establishments of mindfulness in the Majjhima Nikaya. And it's the teaching that mindfulness comes from. And so we're going to be looking at the source and then going through the source and studying the source. And so um, what I would like to do is send you all two different versions of the Satipatthana Sutta. And uh, I haven't yet figured out how to do that uh, through Zoom which I don't think you can do. I don't think you can email. Um, but what I would ask you to do is to send your email address to SF Insight. And, um, and then from there, we can gather the, and I can send them out to you then. I can email them to you, or I guess I could text you, but let's do one, one or the other. Is it better to email or to, um, or to text? How many people want email? Okay. How many people want text? We'll email. Okay. So Trip, which email address should they send it to? Uh, use please San Francisco Insight and spell it all out. San Francisco Insight at gmail.com, please. Right. That'd be great. And so send us your email. And then in the next um, few days, I'll send out two versions of the Satipatthana Sutta so you can read two different translations because that's helpful. And what I hope we can do is really study the Satipatthana, which is really about studying mindfulness, and also see what does it mean to get closer or deeper into the practice during the epidemic, which we all are dealing with, which is a new world that we're all dealing with. And um, the, the sutta itself is very um, traditional and very beautiful. And it begins in this way. It begins where they say monks. And of course, I'm gonna substitute words that are more appropriate for us. Here, let me just see what this other translation is. Yeah, I'm going to go with this translation. This is Bhikkhu Bodhi's translation, who has been taught at SF Insight. And he's a wonderful man, good, good guy, and has been a monk. He's a Westerner, but he's been a monk for I don't know how long, at least 40 years, something like that. And so it starts off, you know, where the, the Buddha is talking to the bhikkhus, right? And says, bhikkhus, there is a direct path. There is a direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of nibbana, which is also translated in Sanskrit as nirvana, namely the four foundations of mindfulness. And so, again, even, and so uh, what I would hope 
the way I think it's really helpful to engage in what we're going to do for the next 11 classes is to start practicing even now, be mindful, be aware of your body, your heart, your mind, be aware of what's happening as I'm speaking, because that's the practice. It's about can we be, pre can we be awake in the present moment? And what happens when that starts to get consistent, when that starts to become part of who and what we are? I'm looking around a little more to see who's here and who's not. Great. Great. And so what we'll do is we'll start now with a sit, and then we'll come back to the sutta. And, you know, given you're at home, you can sit in any way you would like. You can sit on a cushion. You can sit on a chair. You can stand. You could do lying down meditation if you would like. And I'll give some instructions, and then I'll ring a bell at the end. And, and then we'll start to really delve into the sutta, and I'll do a talk. And then I want us to discuss what you're hearing and see what, what we discover together as we explore this sutta. And this will be, this will be the format that I'll use for the next 11, next 10 classes after this. And I'll be moving through the sutta class by class. And I'll be asking you to read it beforehand and then to come so we can really explore it together, so we can discover it together, so we can see what happens as we really um, immerse ourselves in the Dharma, both um, cognitively and experientially. Okay, that clear? And um, if you need to say something to me, you can always, um, you can always, um, uh, what's the word that I want? You can always um, raise your hand Zoom-like. There should be a hand-raising button for you all. Uh, I'm not sure where that is. Tripp, do you know where the hand-raising button is? Yes, um, if you click at the bottom of the screen on participants. Yeah. And then you'll see a list of participants, and then at the bottom it says raise hand. And you can just click on that, like I'm going to raise my hand right now, and then right. you lower your hand. Yeah, got it. Okay, and that's some way I can see that you might want to say something or tell me something or et cetera when we're doing that. But we'll, we'll go back to that. Okay, um, let's sit. I'll give a few minutes of instruction, and then we'll... Then we'll get into the sutta. Please mute because we can hear you when you're doing things. Sorry. It's okay. Just mute. It's a, we're all learning how to do this. Yeah, you're, you're muted now. You're fine. Thank you. And of course, since we're teaching the Satipatthana Sutta, we'll begin with the first foundation of mindfulness, which is the body. And so see what it's like to come into your body or become embodied as we're sitting here. Very helpful to have your back relatively upright and relaxed.
and become aware of the body from the inside or by sensing your body, feeling it, knowing it experientially, not just from a distance. And as you feel or sense or begin to experientially know your body, whether it's warm or cool or comfortable or not comfortable, whether it feels heavy or light, You could make any adjustments that allow you to be a little more comfortable or relaxed. But even in adjusting, we're already being mindful, we're already aware of the body. This is a very important part of meditation to become an embodied awareness, to let yourself be an embodied awareness, especially at this time of pandemic when many of us are very involved with our ideas or beliefs or fears or concerns about COVID-19. The mindfulness of the body offers us the opportunity or the invitation to simply relax right here, right now in this body with its weight or coolness or heat or with the movement of the body breathing. And as we get a little more composed or collected or present here in an embodied way, it can be very helpful to stay mindful of the body as it breathes. Letting everything else simply be in the background, the thoughts or the ideas or the rememberings or the plannings or even my voice, letting that be in the background, letting your body and breath come into the foreground of your awareness.
You may notice the mind coming in, thinking or planning or worrying or wanting or fantasizing. And you don't have to do anything about it. You can just let the mind do what it wants while you stay connected or close to the body and the breath so that you get to stay embodied even though the mind tends to want to do whatever it wants to do. Letting the mind, the thoughts, the ideas be in the background as we stay devoted or dedicated to the body and the breath.
If you notice at any point you become enchanted with some story or idea, please relax. Don't bring the judging mind in and judge your meditation. The judging mind is not the good meditator. The meditator is one who is kind and clear, who sees, who's fully aware of things happening, even if they're not the things we want to be happening. The judgment doesn't help. The kindness supports the ongoing practice. So if you notice you've been enchanted with something, then simply begin again right now.
So as I'm, I imagine you might all agree, we're living at a very interesting time right now with the COVID uh, virus. Um, can you hear me okay? Does this sound good enough? Give me a thumbs up if it's, yeah. Okay, great. Um, and somebody sent me the Latin root of the word COVID, the Latin root. And co means together, and vid means to see. And so it's a very interesting word, COVID, because it means to see together. And that's part of what we have the opportunity to do right now, collectively, as we do this class. Because the Satipatthana Sutta is about seeing the way things are. It's about seeing what's true or what's real or what's here now. Not just our ideas about it or our beliefs about it or what the newspaper says about it, but what's here now. And so um, I love this, this idea of seeing together. And that especially I think you'll find if you really stay with the class, class for the 11 weeks, you'll find uh, another sense of Sangha when we just spend this kind of time together, practicing together and exploring together and looking together and discovering together to see what does it mean to really be mindful and what is Satipatthana, where mindfulness comes from. And I mean, it is a little bit of adventure uh, meditation anyways, but it seems like even more of an adventure right now, at least for me, given um, uh, none of us knows what's happening or what's going to happen. And it's all going to, we're going to live it rather than know what's going to happen. And that's not a bad thing because we can discover what's true in each moment and how to relate to what's happening for ourselves and for our loved ones and for the world at this time. And so the word, the, the beginning of the Satipatthana Sutta begins here again, I'll read it. So the, the Buddha's in the Kuru country and he's addressing the practitioners. He says, bhikkhus, there is a direct path. There is a direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of nibbana, namely the four foundations of mindfulness. Right, And so part of what we're going to keep discovering and is an ongoing part of practice is what is, it, what is he talking about? And what is it right here where you're sitting? What does it mean for this being to be purified? Right, And it's not about just right or wrongs or doing it the way your mother told you you should do it or something like that. Although your mother may have been right about what you should do sometimes. But really the question is, what does it mean to clarify our consciousness so we can see fully? What does it mean to purify our consciousness so we could see clearly? What does it mean to let go of our ideas, beliefs, identifications, and see directly what's true in the moment? And even sitting here right now, I mean, it's a very interesting way to practice, right? Because we're all doing this virtually, right? I mean, a couple of you have, you know, have partners that are sitting together, but most of us are just alone in a room talking into a or looking at a computer and yet there's consciousness here right there's consciousness here and there's consciousness in each seat and so we want to start to be aware of what happens as that consciousness gets freed or in my language starts to relax and open up 
and for the and of course he's saying the purification of beings for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation for the disappearance of dukkha and discontent and it's really for what does it mean to let go of suffering and what does it mean to be free is what's being pointed at and suffering doesn't mean nothing's wrong right because none of us sitting here is going to stop the coronavirus, right? Everybody's got that, right? That's clear. We're not going to stop it. And we may have friends or, or loved ones or coworkers or community members who, who become ill or we may be ill. Somebody here may have coronavirus. But the suffering is the add-on that the Buddha pointed at, the additional ideas, beliefs, what's called in Buddhism the second arrow. The first arrow is there's a problem, right? Like, like some of us actually may not get corona, but we may get the flu, or we may get a cold, or we may have allergies like I do, you know, very, pretty consistently. But that's not the suffering. That's just normal difficulty. That's just dukkha. The real difficulty is the add-on, is the extra, is the belief that it should be different when in fact nobody's in control of coronavirus, right? We all, we all understand that. Nobody's directing it. Nobody has any way to stop it yet, right? I mean, we have, there's a lot of good ideas and, you know, social distancing is the current good idea. But somebody just told me, oh, so social distancing, there's a doctor now saying, oh, that's not the problem. Social distancing, you can do that if you want, but the problem isn't being close to people. Here's what you need. And of course, he has his idea of what, what's needed. What's a skillful means now? And the most skillful means that I hear from everybody is wash your hands and try not to touch your face, which I can't even do. I have to practice that. Because it's not in my, you know, I'm always like doing something, touching my face, rubbing my eyes or, you know, scratching my face. And it's like what I'm hearing is don't do that. So I'm learning how to practice with new instructions, right, that include the coronavirus. And so Satipatthana is really about developing the presence of heart and mind so that we can be here now, even if nothing is happening, and start to recognize what I was calling the consciousness that's aware and awake right here. Somebody sent me a note. I, I'll read this more another, I'll read the whole thing at some point. Actually, it was from Jack Cornfield, sent it to me. He said, and he was encouraging everybody to take a bodhisattva vow. And bodhisattvas are the beings who live to save all beings, right? And he says, it's time to... Uh, To, to rouse the great heart of compassion and to remember who you are. And this is Jack's version of talking about Buddha nature or what's sitting here or what consciousness might be. He's saying in the end, remember who you are is timeless awareness. Remember who you are is timeless awareness, the consciousness that was born into your body. If you were born a child of spirit, even now you can turn towards the awareness and become the loving awareness that witnesses itself reading and feeling and reflecting and hearing Eugene talk right now, right? And I'm adding on to Jack's, but he would have said it. He doesn't, he doesn't mind. He's just saying, he's just pointing at what he's calling timeless awareness or loving awareness. And the phrase loving awareness, as I know it, came from Ram Das, who died recently and was totally became a bodhisattva of the heart. And really, the maturation of his bodhisattva-ness 
came after he had a very serious stroke and lost a lot of his capacities and had to be cared for. But everybody I know who went and visited Ramdas was just uh, immersed in the love that he saw and felt and transmitted to everybody who came close to him. And so mindfulness, right? It goes to the disappearance of uh, discontent, the acquiring the true way, the direct way. And then the second piece, the next piece that the Buddha says is, he says, what are the four? What are the four foundations of mindfulness? And he says here, bhikkhus, in regard to the body, one abides contemplating the body, ardent, fully aware, and mindful. And so this is your task, at least for these 11 classes. What does it mean to practice ardently, fully aware, and mindful? Like just those three muscles, if we can develop that, those capacities more, and those are, that's an ongoing uh, development. You know, I like to go to the gym these days and work out. I go to CrossFit. And, and what I see is, oh, it doesn't matter how you, good you can get. You can always do, do, you keep getting stronger in different ways, even by doing the same thing. And so what I'm suggesting is that our practice can deepen, even if we're doing good practice, if we keep giving ourselves or devoting ourselves or dedicating ourselves to practice, right? So the practice the Buddha is suggesting is, right, to be ardent, fully aware, and mindful, free from desire and discontent in regard to the world. And then, so that's starting with the body and then moving to feelings or what's called really technically Vedana or the feeling tone of each moment. Um, and the feeling tone is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral of every moment of experience. Like right now, either it's pleasant or it's unpleasant or it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And you can be aware of that. And so ongoing, he says, so in regard to feelings or Vedana, feeling tone, one abides contemplating feelings, ardent, fully aware, mindful, um, free from desire and discontent. And then one, one in regard to the heart and mind, abiding, contemplating the mind, ardent, fully aware and mindful, free from desire and discontent. In regard to dharmas and to the teachings and reality, one abides contemplating dharmas, ardent, fully aware, and mindful. And the words here that I want you to keep getting as an ongoing, and we'll keep coming back to them as we go through each part of the Satipatthana, is ardent, fully aware, mindful. And of course, I love the word ardent. And okay, the other translation that I'll just tell you, sometimes it's translated as diligent and uh, clearly comprehending or clearly knowing. Diligent, ardent as diligent and, um, and uh, fully aware as clearly knowing or clearly comprehending or clear comprehension. And it's really getting, okay, this is what's here now. And it might not be a cognitive knowing, but it's a direct knowing of this is what's here. It could be a feeling, could be a thought, could be a sensation, whatever it might be. Could be a sound, and you're just knowing it directly, right? You're fully aware of it. And so the awareness and the thing are not so separate. They're very immediate, the two together. And so the word ardent, which sometimes is translated as diligent, means strong or unwavering commitment. So uh, I'm uh, my, my own flavor, personal feeling about coronavirus right now, and the fact that we all have a new world we're living in. We're definitely not living in the world we were living in 10 days ago or two weeks ago now. Um, is what does it mean to practice for the whole thing? Because it's all practice. And why not practice right now? 
on, on a certain level, at least in my heart and mind, it's like, what else is there to do? And why not do it now? Especially if we can wake up individually and together. And so ardent means characterized by intense feeling, emotion, devotion, uh, fervent, uh, vehement, uh, fierce, and passionate. And I think what, what would be better than, what could be better than being passionate about your practice, about waking up right now, right? I mean, what's more important than waking up? And, waking, and that doesn't mean your loved ones aren't important or your work is not important or, what you, or the world is not important. Those are all important. But the more you're here, the more you can give yourself to loved ones, relationships, your work, your creativity, the world. And so the passion of practice infuses life. And that's what I believe all of us really want, is that infusion of passion in life, of goodness, of aliveness, of uh, a kind of uh, vehemence in life. Ajahn Chah said it this way about practice. He said, proper effort is not the effort to make something particular happen. It is the effort, effort to be aware and awake in each moment, the effort to make each activity of our day a meditation. And that's also the flavor of this class and why we're going to study the whole Satipatthana so we can see what it's like to practice 24-7. And the, the term fully aware, clearly knowing, clear comprehension, it's, it's a pretty word in Pali, Sampajana. Sampajana, and I'm, I hope at the end we all have teachers that says Sampajana now, or Sampajana with your name under it or something, meaning you're fully aware. And why not be fully aware? What what else do you want to do? If you know to be here, to be aware, to 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 let your heart be part of your practice and see what happens. And I love that in Cambodia, the word for awareness means in the body. And the opposite of awareness means not in the body. It's very interesting, very different than our way of thinking. We think of awareness, awareness more of an intellectual thing. And of course, mindful, right? So we're practicing fully aware and mindful. Mindful, and I've said this before in class, is a word from Thomas Rice Davis in 1881 who took it from the St. James Bible to describe what he saw people from other cultures doing and that they considered sacred. And so he was trying to put a Western word out of the Bible on something sacred from Eastern tradition whether it was from Sri Lanka or Burma or India or Thailand, the practitioners he knew. But really what mindfulness is, is a state of consciousness. It's not just knowing something, it's also the consciousness that knows something. It's, it's not just what we're aware of, it's the awareness that's aware of something. Right, and, and the mindfulness is the knowing that we know, knowing that we know. And it could be body or sound or taste or touch or smell or thought or feeling or whatever it is, but knowing that it's happening and knowing that we know that it's happening, right? It's the awareness. And the piece I want to keep emphasizing tonight and then every is about the presence of mind or mindfulness, which is really uh, described best in oh, this book. This is, again, I said this, my favorite Buddhist book, the Satipatthana Sutta. 
the direct path to realization from uh, Venerable Analyo. And uh, he talks about mindfulness this way. He talks about asati as present moment awareness. And it's, um, he says this, he says, sati as present moment awareness is reflected in different presentations in Buddhism, different texts, excuse me, including the Visuddhi Maga or the Patisambada Maga, according to which the characteristic quality of sati is presence. And so even now I want to point you at your the presence of heart and mind that's here, or the presence of consciousness that's here, that's knowing what I'm saying, or knowing what you're feeling, or knowing what you're thinking. I want you just, and presence is an ephemeral word because presence is not a thing, but it's something. And I, I always have a, it's tricky to talk about it because it's like I'm talking about something, but it's a something that's not a thing, but it's something that's here. And so it's, and that's why the word presence is such a nice word because it's broader than it's a box or it's a, a bowl or it's a stick or it's a thing. It's a presence, meaning it's a state of being. And that's what we want to start becoming aware of because that state of being is sitting in your seat, right? Or as Jack was saying, right, he was calling it timeless awareness or, or loving awareness. I'm using a slightly broader term, which is the presence of mindfulness, right? And he says, according the presence of mindfulness, according to which the characteristic quality of sati is presence, whether as a faculty, as a capacity, uh, or as an awakening factor, one of the factors of awakening that wakes us up, or as a factor of the Eightfold Path, meaning a quality of how to live our life as, as, uh, as pure Dharma, and or at the moment of realization, there's also a level of presence of mindfulness in which we're not we're not separate from what's being known at all. And he goes on to say, he says, mindfulness being present can be understood to simply imply the presence of mind, right? Different than being absent-minded, but. To be endowed with sati, he says, one is wide awake in regard to the present moment. And of course, remember, it's sometimes we like the present moment and sometimes we don't like the present moment. But either way, we want to be awake to it, right? That's the key. We're not just going by our preferences. And I say this often, there's a very famous Zen text the Shinshin Ming and the translation that I like starts and says, the great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences, right? The great way is not difficult for those who have no preferences. And of course, I have to again say, which I often do, that he translated, retranslated it 25 years later. And he said, the great way is not difficult for those who are not attached to their preferences. And of course, that's the key word, right? Is we can have our preference, we don't have to like everything or not like anything or anything like that. We can like and not like, but we just don't wanna be attached to our preferences because our preferences are our preferences. They're not the truth of reality, which is, appearing and dif disappearing moment by moment, or appearing and changing moment by moment. And so, and, and, and the Venerable Analyo continues, and he says, the suggestion that the state in which uh, sati is well established can be characterized as having breadth, breadth instead of a narrow focus, right? And it relates to the, it's not a narrow, a narrow state of mind. Its presence leads to a broad and even boundless state of mind. And that's what we're interested in. What is it to have a really open state of heart and mind? 
what is it to be free and open to everything in, in this moment? And what happens if you are? And, and what happens, not just what happens in the moment, but what happens as you start to rest in the openness of being itself? And then I'll end my little talk with a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh. He says, uh, enlightenment is always here. Small enlightenment will bring great enlightenment. If you breathe in and are aware you are alive, that you can touch the miracle of being alive, then that is a kind of enlightenment. And so these are a few thoughts to start the class. And now I would like to hear from you. Questions, comments, reactions, agreement. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.